0: Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochraleigh.com. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning, church family. We are so excited about this. We are Craig and Annie Oman. We have been going here to Antioch for about seven years now. 2013 is when we first started. And we've been married for 29 years. So we, yeah, we are what Jesse Harris calls vintage. Yeah, it doesn't hurt at all when he says that. It doesn't, no. Yeah, so we've been married 29 years. And so we got the assignment from the Elder Board to preach on building a marriage that lasts. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But, you know, as we started talking about it and as we've been preparing Really a lot of the stuff that we're gonna talk about today is about all relationships. There's application whether you're single or married or in any circumstance in your life, there's application for how to be in all of your relationships. So hopefully you guys will get a lot out of this. And one thing that we wanted to say as we introduce the topic, was we wanna really think about the lens that we look at marriage through. What is the lens that you're looking through? Faithfulness and a joy-filled marriage is thinking about what you do need to do with your spouse rather than what you need to do to prevent something happening, right? You think about the benefit that you're striving for rather than the liability that you're hoping to avoid. So as we get ready to talk about it today, we want you to be thinking about that lens. Are you looking at your marriage through the lens of the prize that the Lord has given you, the benefit that he has for you, or are you looking at it as a job, You've got a good metaphor for this.
1: Yeah, well, here we are on farmland, and, you know, there's cattle grazing out there sometimes, and uh, sometimes, of course, the wind blows in such a way that you can tell that they're there.
0: Indeed, indeed.
1: (laughs) That's not my metaphor, though. My metaphor is...
0: (laughs) Get ready, just get ready.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My metaphor is that um, there's two ways to keep those cattle on the land. There's fences, and there's wells. There's the, the, the grain bin that they, they eat out of, the, the trough that they drink out of, and there's also the fences, and you need both, but in terms of what keeps a marriage healthy and long-lasting, our emphasis this morning is to emphasize that it's not just the fences that keep us in a marriage. They do, and that's, that's kind of the negative definition of faithfulness, what you don't do, where you don't go, who you don't, you know, hang out with, uh, that, that you don't belong with. That's extremely important, and the Bible has plenty to say about that, and, and I affirm that utterly. The thing about it is, is that it's such a great thing to have a, a great place to be together so that you don't even want to. You have the wells that, that keep you together and keep you always coming to uh, the wonders of what God has brought to you in marriage. And so that's, that's the main idea of that. And so um, if you think back to the, uh, those of you who are married Um, when you said your wedding vows, um, they're really sweet, aren't they? A lot of times the tears at weddings start to flow about then, which is really awkward for me because I'm often the one officiating them, and I start to cry. (laughs) 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 So, yes, a a couple of you know that I've done that. And, and, uh, (laughs) but, you know, to have and to hold and to cherish Um, you know, we think of those vows as as so serious and solemn, and and indeed they are, but who doesn't want to do those things with the love of your life, right? And so when you think about marriage, that's kind of where we're going. Our main idea all the way through is, what is it that brings us back to the center? And it's the joy of of marriage, and um, it's not a complicated point, but it's one that gets lost
0: Mm, so
1: easily somehow, and we're, we're trying to push against that, um, in our own marriage, and, and to help you do that as well. Um,
0: yeah. 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 So thinking about vows to have, to hold, those are good things, right? Those are benefits. Craig and I still joke about the fact that 29 years in, at night, I'm still like, I'm so happy you don't have to go home. <laughs> you know, this is so great. I'm so excited I that home. I get to crawl into bed and hold you. Like, that's a, that's a gift. That's a benefit that we still you know, that still draws us. It's that deep well that still draws us after all these years. And, and even the vow in sickness and in health, right, even that is such a beautiful gift. I was at my high school reunion last weekend, 30 plus one, because it got canceled last year. So now you know exactly how old I am. And I was speaking to one of my dear friends, Chrissy, and she has just gone through a tremendous bout with cancer. She had two different kinds of cancer, and it was a, it, it was a really deeply painful struggle that she went through, and she went through it in the midst of COVID. So you can imagine how hard that was and how isolating that was. The look on her face, this radiant joy on her face, as she talked about Dave, her husband, and how he cared for her, and how he protected her, and how he provided for her. It was was so beautiful to see that look on her face. And then later, I was chatting with Dave, and I'm like, man, you are a hero. You are just a hero. And he looked over at Chrissy, again, this just radiance, and he said, who wouldn't want to love and care for Chrissy? You know, it was just such a neat thing, so I just, I just was overwhelmed by that notion that it's our vows that we commit to and we promise and they're serious, and yet it's those same sweet vows that draw us, like, like coming to a well for refreshment. Yeah, so as we get ready to dive into, we're going to look at four scriptures, and we're going to talk about their application in marriage. Think about the lens that you're looking through. Do you have the right eyes to see and perceive what God is doing, and respond by cooperating with what God is doing. Are you thinking about the benefit and joy of the relationship, or the risk and liability of it?
1: Here's uh, four things we want you to come away with, just, just four. They're all kind of the same thing.
0: And our sweet youngest, Miles, has them up on the screen. Yeah. Shout out to Miles. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good job, Miles. She's awesome. The first is, it is precious to win one another, especially to win one another back, (laughs) which sort of presupposes that there can be some loss there, but you win each other back. Number two, what God has joined together is too good to separate. What God has joined together is too good to separate. And the third one is, marriage is a treasure worth sacrificing for. So it's not even all that much of a sacrifice, if you think about it that way. And the fourth one is, there is great value in rejoicing in your spouse's victories.
0: It's all you made. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs>
1: all right, our first, our first scripture is uh, Matthew 18, uh, 15 through 22. So let me read that for us. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. And then Peter. Ah, Peter. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Oh, boy. Well... (laughs) Not all of that's about marriage, as you probably understood, (laughs) but is forgiveness part of marriage? Yes, it is, indeed. So, the best way to think about it is to win back your, well, not brother and sister, but your husband or wife. So, that's the idea, is you're winning back someone, and that's if you think of forgiveness in those terms, it will change how you do it, which is part of the idea that Jesus is bringing out here as well. So, Peter contemplates putting a limit on the number of times you have to forgive someone, and then Jesus replies, how about seven times, 77 times? And by the way, if you're counting, you're not forgiving. So even though you guys can do the math, what is it, 490? I mean, think about having to count all that. That's, no. So... <laughs> and
0: that's each person, so that's just a lot of forgiving. It
1: is a lot, yeah. yeah. Um, but if you're winning back a brother or sister in Christ or in, or in marriage... Either way, if you're winning them back, why do you want to put a limit on how many times you can restore a relationship? Yeah. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know that if someone has, uh, you know, they're taking advantage of you, they're doing these other things, and you're thinking of all these scenarios where you just had enough. And I get that. But if your mind goes there first, you're not thinking of forgiveness quite right. What Jesus does is tries to flip the script on what Peter is thinking. It's like, how many times do I have to do this? No, how many times is it still a good thing to win back and restore? And it presupposes that this is going to be a legitimate process, that you're going to restore someone uh, back to you in in proper relationship, both with God and, and with each other. So think of it in terms of benefits versus liabilities. If you keep flipping the way you think, your marriage including the hard bit like forgiveness will be so much easier.
0: Yeah, and and if both of you are thinking along those lines, if both of you have the ultimate goal, the ultimate benefit of winning one another back, then you both have that prize in front of you and there's no sense of how many times it should happen. Well, it should happen as many times as you want that prize. And hopefully you always want that. So this applies to the selflessness really that we need to have in marriage. And, And you know, you hear people say all the time, marriage is work right? Raise your hand if you believe that marriage is work. Yes, marriage is work, but it's good work. It's really good work. And you know what else is work? Vacation. Vacation is work. (laughs) Who's gone on vacation this summer? Did it, was it a lot of work to plan that vacation? Yes, it's work. You're planning out where you're staying. You're planning out who you're seeing and who you're not seeing, and you're yes, I know, I know, yeah. And and you're planning out if it's a road trip where you're going to stay. And when we did our road trip last year, what are the COVID protocols? We have friends that traveled overseas this summer. They had so many different things they had to lay out. Do you think they dreaded that work? No. Do you think that they was like, oh, this is so not worth it? Do you think there is that? No, they didn't. The prize ahead of them was this joyous time with their family, this wonderful memory that they were about to create. So yeah, marriage is work. It's a lot of work, but it's good work for a great prize. Yeah, so that that brings us to our second chapter. Um, I love this one. You guys are, I'm sure, going to love it too. Matthew 19, 1 through 12. And this has the great heading in your Bible of divorce. (laughs) Yeah, and so, but I actually think that the heading should be, what God has joined together is too good to separate. So let's read it together. Miles, yeah, good, yeah. (laughs) When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. So the disciples draw the connection that because it's so hard, man, in that case, we just shouldn't do it. It's so hard. If we can't get out of it, We don't want to get into it, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that logic, um, if I can't get out of it, I better not get into it. Um, It's interesting what Jesus does when he starts talking about eunuchs, because it's like, well, is that a better alternative? And all the guys in the room.
0: (laughs) He's so good. He's so good. I mean, you could be a eunuch.
1: (laughs) Right. You have three options, you know. You can, you know, live in sin, which is not a good option. You can be married, or you can be a eunuch. And there, He gives, He starts talking about that that third option, and the the disciples are certainly thinking, oh, no, wait a minute, Lord. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on now. (laughs) And And what Jesus says, which is really profound here, is there is one good option for that. And if you are a eunuch, so to speak, for the kingdom, that is, you're unmarried because you're investing in relationships for God's kingdom, you're not getting out of anything, are you? (laughs) There's no, you know, there's no getting out of the entanglements of relationship because Mm -hmm. that is what we're on earth to do. Right. So, there's the idea that you wouldn't want to get into that because you couldn't get out of it. It's like, you're not getting out of it anyway. In fact, the only good legitimate reason in this case, is, is if because of relationship, you want to be unmarried so that you can travel all around and be a missionary like Paul or, you know, other similar reasons where working for the kingdom uh, is, is God equips you for the gift of, of, of that kind of singleness. And, and mm-hmm. so that's part of the logic of what, what Jesus is going over. And when we were talking about, uh, you know, bringing in this passage, we were like, how are we going to talk about this, you know? And like, well, there's a plan for everyone. Yeah. It's not just about marriage, it's about relationships. And God is perfectly willing to, to help you be who you need to be, but there's no escape from the entanglements right. of relationship. Yeah. You don't want to escape it. That's no. the whole point. It is the blessing that we're seeking. Yeah. And so the, the disciples' attitude needs to be just flipped. Yeah, like, yeah, if you, if you can't get out of it, oh, we better not get into it. No, no, no. Flip that around utterly, and then you would be on, on, on a, in, in the good in the good way. So there's one other thing to say about this, and it's been going around a lot, and it's a good saying, is you have to choose what's difficult because everything is difficult. Choose your heart. Marriage is hard, singleness is hard. Which one is 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 what it's what is what God wants you to do. And then do it well, and it'll be less hard, <laughs> you know? Um, and Doing it well and it involves you know, solving your troubles and, and dealing with a, a lot of the difficulty and forgiveness and the other things that are hard, but flip the script on it and it will get easier. That's, that's what we're, we're hoping to bring, bring along. Annie, what do you think?
0: Yeah, it's, the choice isn't about avoiding the hard thing. So, especially in marriage, um, choosing the hard thing is choosing the, the greatest benefit, right? When you choose the hard thing, you're choosing this prize that, that you're winning. And the prize that you're winning, according to Jesus, is being as God created you to be, being one flesh forever. You know, being those about whom he said they were one flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that seems like a pretty good prize to me. Yeah. A pretty good treasure, which leads us to scripture number three. Matthew 13:44 through 45. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So similar to talking about vacations and stuff like that, the man didn't think to himself, Oh, I can't believe I have to sell my car. I can't believe I have to get rid of all my, you know, stuff. I can't believe I have to sell the, the house on the beach or whatever. He didn't think about all of that. In his joy, he sold everything he had. He recognized the value of the thing that he wanted. When he found it, he hid it again so that it would, so he could have it, right? It was so valuable to him. It was the pearl of great price. He wasn't worried about the cost. He wasn't worried about what he would have to lay down in order to get it. It was so valuable to him.
1: So, when, when we take this into the marriage area, I think one of the things that we're hoping to help with is the habit of flipping the script and think more in a gratitude mindset versus uh, an expectation mindset or more in a gratitude mindset versus an entitlement mindset. Um, and that feeling of, I can't believe we got this lucky. <laughs> the word lucky is not an awesome theological word because it just, you know… But because it just, you know, it sort, of dip, it sort of makes you think of chance, like there's not a God in heaven, but there is. <laughs> but at the same time, that, that, you know that feeling like, wow, I just rolled the dice and got exactly what I didn't deserve and yet received, you know, it's so great. That feeling is what you're looking for. And if you, once you feel it, rehearse it. Yeah. You know? Um, think about it. Say it out loud to your spouse, to yourself, to the Lord who gave her to you or Him to you. Um, So, that's what I'm getting at. And there's there's some contrasting ideas out there. Uh, You know, there's an old Beatles song, um, right, that says… We get a
0: lot of our (laughs) illustrations from this (laughs) because we're vintage.
1: Well, right, we are vintage. (laughs) Not that vintage, though, all right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's like… In, in terms of a compliment, one of the songs is, you know, when you say she's looking good, she acts as if it's understood. She's cool, and and the in the song, there, uh, you know, I think it's John Lennon who's singing. He's kind of complaining about this relationship that's not really working out because even when he gives her a compliment, he's like, yeah, of course I look good. It's it's like, you know, it's. It's really fun to give Annie compliments because she's not like that. She actually likes them. I can see her beam, and I think I get more out of them than she does. She's just like, oh, really? You know, and and acts as if if she's never heard it before, and yet I tell her every day. Um, That makes it pretty fun for me. And so sometimes I wonder, you know, if sometimes I'm not great at receiving compliments, that makes it hard for her to give them to me. Uh, and then sometimes then we go into a little bit of a deficit, like, well, one of the things that we can do is be better at receiving them as well, which I think you were going to mention also, right?
0: Yeah, I think sometimes I think we think we're being modest when we brush off a compliment, you know, oh, oh, you know, it's, oh, it's not, oh, this old thing, oh, it's nothing, you know, but we miss out then on the, the joy that we can give our spouse from giving us that compliment, right? And when Craig compliments me and I'm not kidding you guys he compliments me every day he is just a fount of sweet words of affirmation <laughs> he is <laughs> um, but it comes at, you can tell that it's coming out of the overflow right it's this spontaneous thing that comes out of the over- he'll stop in the hallway and just say wow you look beautiful, you know? I mean, it just you can tell that it just comes out of this overflow of love, and it's those things that fuel the energy. You guys, we are scratching the surface today, and we fall into deep troubles over the course of our lifetime. But this rehearsing of rights, this rehearsing of those beautiful moments of complimenting one another, are part of what lays a foundation to help you win that brother or sister back. That encouragement of one another is a, is a safety net. Um, yeah, so I just, I wanted to tell you about an early compliment that I got from Craig. And I'm, I'm telling you about this because I think about it all the time. And it was almost 30 years ago that he said this to me. And I, and I rehearsed this compliment All the time. So we we lived in San Francisco at the time, and we were going to church in the city. We had this wonderful pastor, and he hosted a young marrieds group at his house. So it was like our life group, and we were there, and we were sitting in a circle. And he started off by saying he wanted each of us to give a compliment to our spouse, right? So everybody was going around. We were one of the last ones, and um, I remember. (laughs) His, his sons and their wives also went to the church. So he gets to one of his sons, and he says to his wife, and they had had five children by this point. They, they we were young married, but they were real fast. Um, so, <laughs> so, they'd had five children by this point, and he's like, "I love Cynthia because she has childbearing hips," you know, and like it was, it was pretty funny, right? Everybody laughed. If you
1: knew him, you would yeah, just it yeah, was, very it was funny. hilarious.
0: And then it comes to Craig, and he looks at me, and he says to the whole group. Annie brings honor to our family. I think about that all the time. I still get teary when I was telling Craig about it the other day and we both started crying. <laughs> um, I have never forgotten those words. In in our darkest times, I think to myself, this is still my favorite human being on the planet, you know? He's still my favorite human being on the planet. And I think back to those things. Yeah, so it's important, and they matter, and they last, you guys. They're important, they matter, they last, and they help, um, they help you to feel lucky every day. Rehearse those moments. Rehearse the rights. Don't rehearse the hurts. Right? Rehearse the rights. Keep a record of the rights. Don't keep a record of the wrongs. Write those things down. They matter, and they last, and they will help you build a foundation that can't be rocked. And like I said, it's not because, it's not like we haven't had our struggles, but this ability to step back, to flip the script on how we're thinking, and to rehearse the rights that have happened in our lives, and that we've, we've worked hard to make happen, the good work of it, that's how we pull ourselves out of those, with, by the grace of God, out of those struggles. Yeah. You want to do Scripture 4?
1: Yeah. Scripture 4 is Matthew 20, 1 through 16. Thank you, Miles.
0: <laughs> You're doing great, honey. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is about the Lord's generosity and how unfair it is. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. So he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing around all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, he said, they said. And he said to them, well, then you also go out and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last one hired and going on to the first. Now, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous. So the last will be first, and the first will be last."
0: You know they're wondering how this applies to marriage. You know they They are. They are, yeah. I can see
1: the wheels turning. I know. One of the things that's true about blessings is sometimes after we receive them and have them for a while, we think that we deserve them.
0: Hmm.
1: We think that we've worked for them, and we think that other people who are less worthy should not have what we have if they've done less work than we have to have it. And that whole mindset again, we're asking you and helping you and, and trying to get into our heads here how to flip the script to get out of thinking of ourselves as deserving. Mm-hmm. Think of yourself as blessed. Mm-hmm. I used the word a while ago lucky. <laughs> These people. We're thinking about the heat of the day and all the work they had done, but what would happen here is that the the owner of the vineyard gave them a job. He gave them a wage. He gave them employment. And those of us who have been in a situation where we haven't had that, that is a blessing. And so even though it's work, we think of it as a blessing after (laughs) we've had the experience of having its opposite. Why does that feeling go away? Marriage is work. And sometimes we stop thinking of it in terms of a blessing. Mm-hmm. We think we have deserved this or that. We've put so much in. How is it that thus and such? And, you know, flip the script so that you're not thinking of it in terms of dessert. If the blessing you receive is devalued because someone less worthy got it also, there's something wrong with how we're thinking. Mm-hmm. Is it a good thing? Praise God for it and shepherd it and tend it as that good thing and be grateful for it, and show your gratitude for it, and, you know, don't represent it as work if it's also a blessing. There may be work involved, like work, like working for a vacation or working for a good marriage, but if you think about it as work, it's not gonna be good. And thinking of as if you deserve it, that's definitely a, a recipe for, for um, getting some things kind of out of whack, and that's what we're getting at. Also, the workers thought of this whole thing as a contract, not as a blessing. And marriage is kind of a contract also, if you think about it wrong. It's a blessing. Yes, if you take vows, and you, it's a covenant, and it's an agreement between two people to have and to hold and to do all those things and to be one another's things, and you can police that as a covenant, but you won't have to police it as a covenant if you yeah. take it as a blessing. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Um, same thing with, with, I don't know, I, I wanted to say this because when we were preparing this message, I almost didn't want to give it because it kind of feels like we're coming across as really awesome people because we're <laughs> married, and, and I don't feel that at all. I don't, um.
0: We're criers. We're <laughs> criers, guys. We're criers. Yeah.
1: What I feel like is that God has blessed us. Yeah. And the only thing that we've done right in our marriage is because, is feeling that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so much that we've worked and done all these great things, it's that we took it as a blessing and mm. that we've never forgotten that it is only that. Every yeah. day of our lives.
0: Yeah. And, but, and
1: that's, that's not really up, that's not really me. It is you, because you're awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, but, that's but it. But I
0: think that, you know, we, we just wanted to encourage you guys, because you might be sitting there thinking, well, what have we done wrong? It's not about that at all, right? It's about receiving the gift that God has given you. It's about flipping the script, flipping the way, putting on a different lens so that you see the prize ahead of you as a gift. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of times in marriage, we get our noses bent out of shape if the other spouse is honored and we're not, or if they get a blessing that we don't get. And that's something that, you know, Craig and I have described our life as seasons. You know, different seasons for different people to do different things. And it's not, marriage isn't fair. It's not fair. You guys aren't gonna have the same things at the same time. um, you know, people ask me all the time, well, don't you think it's kind of unfair that Craig gets to go and do a PhD and you have to work? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, this is what he was born for. Like, this is what God has called him to do. And the joy for me of seeing him do what God has called him to do, what he has poured into him throughout his whole 30-some years of ministry and is now doing, that's a gift to me. And then on the flip side... Um, Earlier this summer, in May, I think, um, we heard from, I got a call from a pastor friend of ours, and he's a dear, dear friend, and we've dreamed over the years of doing ministry together and, and talked over that and prayed over that. We've served with them for years and years back in the Pacific Northwest, and he called and asked me to consider coming, moving back there and being their executive pastor, and so I said this to Craig, and it's really interesting. He's such a good man. I, could, I watched the whole transition happen across his face. You know, that, hey, <laughs> wait a second. I'm the pastor. You know, but, then, but then like he didn't even, like, it was a blip. It was just a moment. And then, then all of a sudden he was like, that's amazing. You know, he was so excited about that that possibility. We, aren't, we are not moving. It was, a, it was a no from the Lord, and that was a, a good confirmation for all of us, but it was, it was a really good example and a really important moment for us to realize there's different times that each of us has the opportunity to be elevated or to get a blessing that maybe the other one doesn't get.
1: Yeah, and when that happened... Um she was starting to say, I'm I'm not a quit for this. And she started kind of talking herself down. And it was a pleasure for me, uh, you know, a privilege that I got to say, no, actually, you've done this, 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 and you think these ways, and you've been in the ministry in these ways. And it all makes sense. And I I got a chance to to boost her up that way. And and if we were thinking of it in terms of uh, fair play or some weird competition, you you just don't do that. And the world does that a ton. We have an opposite spirit, and we model that um, as 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 a people of God, um, where we're celebrating other people's elevation, and in, in fact, you know, Anne is quite an accomplished um, career woman, and and I'm proud of that. I think that's so awesome because all these people come up and say, "Oh, we just love Annie. She's so great." And you know what happens to me when she, when they tell me that? It's like, and she chose me,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: right? So the higher they lift her up, I'm higher still. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing, right? You, everyone loves Annie. They don't always love me. Oh, that's <laughs> no, not no, true. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Because <laughs> I can
0: but tell you insofar
1: as I am honored, and she gets elevated even more. So it, it's just, that's, that's where the, the least is the the greatest, and the greatest is the least, the first is the last, the last is the first. You know, one of the things that makes greatness in the kingdom of God is the one who serves the most. There's still greatness and least, but it's flipped in terms of how it's defined, and the one who elevates other people the most is the greatest. Isn't that cool? So that's what we want to do, you know, in marriage, and I think bringing all that stuff together uh, helps with that quite a bit. So here's our conclusion. Um... We want, to see you, want, to, want you to see the value of putting on a different kind of lens. Just flip the script. That's what we're uh, asking you to do. Viewing your marriage as a good gift from the Lord. Um, again, the, the theological word lucky is not an awesome word, but think of it in a way like that. You're, you're blessed, undeserving. Yeah. So cherish it and tend it as that precious thing that uh, you know, you want to be worthy of, um, but you have no expectation of it. You just, yeah, right. So, so one of the things that we're helping us do is not, not thinking of this flipping the script idea as a pep talk. It's not just a Pollyanna thing where you put a positive spin on it and then that'll be the whole trick. That is not the whole trick. The whole trick actually is to honor God, be grateful, be thankful to Him all the time. That is your number one goal for mental health and marital health. <laughs> Be thankful for your spouse, mm-hmm. verbal, verbally, and, and in your thoughts as well. And, and so, it's not a pep talk. It's actually a habit that you want to build into your daily, hourly, minutely <laughs> uh, thinking. Um, so, how do you do it? How do you catch yourself when your patterns of thinking are really kind of more cynical or suspicious or, uh, you know, humdrum or complaining, uh, you know, the opposites, how do, you, how do you do that?
0: Yeah, so an example that's always been really helpful to me, we have some dear, dear friends, and the, the wife has gone on to be with the Lord, but they were mentors of ours in our early marriage, and they were missionaries in Brazil. And she told us one time about a really challenging time they had in their marriage. And this moment that they realized, um, that she realized, he is not my enemy, right? And I know that that sounds really simple, but that concept of whatever else is happening, he is not my enemy. We have a problem, we have a challenge, we have a conflict. Taking that conflict off of this person and putting it in the middle and saying, you're not my enemy. We're going to look at this situation together. We're going to press into this situation together. Sounds, sounds really simple, I know. The, the other thing that I do, it's a mental calculus that I do every time that we're in a heated conversation, is think, do I still like Craig better than I like any other human on this earth? Like he's still, no matter what, even if I'm mad, yeah, he's still better than anyone else I know. So, you know, let's start there, let's start there, right? I know it sounds kind of simple and not very altogether holy, but, but I'm telling you, it's true. He's still the best person I've ever met in my whole life. So it can't, whatever we're facing can't be that bad. It puts it in the right perspective, right? And then Craig, you had a good one that you wanted to.
1: Yeah, the, the grass is never greener. <laughs> so it's, the, it's greener where you water it, Yeah. right? You heard that, and that's kind of what we're getting at here. Uh, so, do that for sure, um, back to your wells and fences idea but the 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 thing about it is is that um, when other people notice how wonderful your spouse is i don 't know i mean i don 't know how you all feel about that. I kind of like it <laughs> because i 'm thinking I can actually see her through some of your all 's eyes, and that renews my appreciation for her and so sometimes I think um, you know, everyone, is, is, when, when they talk her up, I'm thinking, yeah, that's right, that, that's really good. One of the things that happened to me before I met her, I mean, I'd, I'd met Annie, but I had not we weren't dating yet or anything like that, is she went on a ski trip with my roommates. And then they came back, and they had all these pictures, and it was a beautiful day, and, you know, we enjoy skiing, and I enjoy skiing, and I wasn't able to go on that trip. And there she was, and I hadn't really noticed... Or, or thought much about her, but there she was, and she was in her ski outfit, and it was clear <laughs> that she was a pro skier. I mean, I could just tell, I mean, even though it was a still photo, it wasn't an action shot or anything, I, just, I could just tell, and I'm thinking, huh, I really wish I'd gone on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's weird how we sometimes don't know the value of things until we see them through some other lens. And every now and then, it's actually worthwhile to step outside and think how good you've got it. Yeah. Can you, because in the midst of it, it's almost like a fish forgets that it's wet. Jump out of the water for just a moment Yeah. and look back and say, yes, that's, with, that's, that's, that's the one I belong with. That's the one, and right now I'm having a problem, and right now it seems pretty bleak, but this is the one I belong with, and there's, there's no better pond for me to be swimming in. <laughs> so this is I'm, I'm going to go right on back to this as, as the, the good thing, and we're going to work it out. So th- these little tricks that we have, we, you just do them. You get used to them. They're hard even to describe because they don't make any sense, but you get a way of, of doing that, and it's really important that we do.
0: Go Hold ahead. on one second. Miles, will you put those four points back up on the screen? Yeah, just so that they have them in mm-hmm. front of mm-hmm. them while you close. Yeah.
1: So, we hope this encourages you. Um, We feel really lucky, and that's kind of what we're saying. (laughs) Just feel that way. Fan and fuel that feeling. Throw fuel on it at every chance that you get. And do it out loud. Uh, Praise God, uh, worship, be grateful, express your gratitude to your spouse. um, And, you know, feel it, even in the, especially, in fact, when you're not feeling it, mm-hmm. that's when that perspective is super helpful. So as we close in prayer, I know a lot of us are probably looking through our, our marriage through a dark lens, because it's hard, and disasters happen, and hard things happen, and patterns develop that, that take us into dark places. Uh, they really do. And I want to tell you that there's hope. There is, that you just, and and part of what's going to happen is in addition to praying for God's miraculous work in your lives, is also this this changing of patterns of how we're each thinking. And you're going to have to do it yourself sometimes because you can't always make a pact with your partner to also do the same thing. So if you do it, then I'll I'll do it. Sometimes you have to do it, you know, unilaterally. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's better to do that. Than to go some other way with this, and I just want to encourage you that God can pick you up and take you there. He can, and He has, and He will. So as we close, we'll have life group leaders, elders, and other people come up. and If and if you've you've got something to celebrate with gratitude, you can do that in prayer. Or if you've got you're looking through things at, through a dark lens, come and pray about that as well. And uh, yeah we'd be more than happy to, to, to talk with you about that also.
0: Yeah, so let's all stand, and yeah. if we could have the life group leaders and the elders come up, um, we'll close in prayer. Want me to pray? Yeah.
1: Okay. Lord God, thank you for this, uh, the, the fact that you've given us marriage. That is a good gift from creation. And uh, Lord, we pray that we will treat it as such. We pray lord for those who are struggling we pray that you would lift and lift and lift and lift yes. and just see the, uh, show them the shining light of hope that's that's ahead however long the road may be maybe it's not even that long god i pray that you would show it to them father too we also ask that the that the gratitude meter in this room will just go off the charts because you have blessed us beyond the, the our ability to fathom it and i think sometimes all we do is forget Remind us, God, give us reasons to praise you and thank you for all that you've done. We pray these things in your son's name, amen.